0: When was the last time you felt afraid? I mean really afraid. There are as many kinds of ghosts in this world as there are living beings. Some simply appear. Some try to help or communicate with us, and others mean us harm. Encounters with the supernatural are not random chaotic experiences. They are all too real. This account is not fiction. It is also real. But do not be afraid. I am here to guide you through the spaces where the living meet the dead. Perfect for a romantic getaway with fireplaces in the rooms and floor-to-ceiling windows that look out upon Lafayette Square, the Hamilton-Turner Inn is a plush accommodation. Each room is named for a noted Savannian. A couple had been out to dinner and returned late to the Button Gwinnett Room, located on the fourth floor. Both were exhausted from walking, and their dinner at the 1790 was just the right finish to a long day of sightseeing. The lights are off, and both quickly fell asleep. They were awakened by the sharp report of a billiard ball hitting the floor and rolling along the landing outside their door. The door of their room opened and two girls in sleeping gowns ran into the room. The children were laughing and quite oblivious to the couple in bed watching them. They went into the adjoining room that overlooks the treetops and the door shut behind them. The startled guests jumped out of bed and ran to the door and opened it. The moonlight shone in through the windows onto an empty sitting area with no one in sight. They each had a glass of sherry and went back to bed. Years before its time, it contained an indoor bath, talking pipes that connected each room, and a dumbwaiter from the kitchen to the parlor and bedrooms. Built for Captain Samuel Hamilton in 1873, the Lord of Lafayette Square created a social center for the city's elite and played host to many visiting dignitaries with dinners, cotillions, and costume parties. The mansion was fitted with electric lights just four years after Edison invented the light bulb. The residents of Savannah would gather in Lafayette Square each evening to watch the lights come on because many believed the house would explode. It was nearly destroyed when the nearby Cathedral of St. John the Baptist caught fire in 1898. But thankfully, the limestone roof saved it from being engulfed by the flames. Tragedy struck the cathedral on February, 1898. As city firemen were engaged in fighting a great riverfront fire along Williamson and River Streets, a motorman of the city and suburban railway noticed a fire engulfing the St. John Baptist. Due to the extensive fire on the riverfront, there was too little water pressure available to put out the cathedral's fire. According to the Savannah Morning News, St. John the Baptist is a mass of ruin and nothing remains but its four walls and indestructible parts of its towers. Across the square, the Andrew Lowe House, built 12 years before the Civil War in 1848, there are many accounts of an elderly gentleman in a gray suit and top hat coming in and out the front door, possibly William Battersby. He lived in the West indies style home adjacent on Charlton Street. He was a business partner and neighbor of Andrew Lowe. The lady on the bed, very often noticed lying on her deathbed, is Juliette Gordon Lowe, who married Willie Lowe, son of Andrew Lowe. She died in 1927 in the second floor bedroom that faces Lafayette Square. In the front study, at the bottom of the servant stairs, which are less than three feet wide and very steep with narrow treads, is a distinct cold spot where a young slave girl fell to her death while hastening down the stairs with a tray of food for the adjoining dining room table. The servants were not to be seen nor heard, and therefore didn't use the main stairs, but the hidden narrow servant stairs in the pantry between the study and the dining room. Savannah was praised as the most picturesque and serene city in America. It was known for its grand oaks, festooned with Spanish moss, and its genteel citizenry. During the Civil War, the city suffered from sea blockades so strict that the economy crumbled. Impregnable Fort Pulaski, at the mouth of the Savannah River, was captured by Union soldiers early in 1862. The city itself did not fall until Union General William Tecumseh Sherman entered in mid-December of 1864 after burning the city of Atlanta and everything else in his path on his march to the sea. Having made a fortune running the Union blockade of Savannah during the Civil War, Captain Hamilton amassed a museum-quality collection of art in his lavish home. He kept a sentinel on the roof nightly. One morning, the guard was discovered on the roof, shot in the back of the head by his own revolver. The crime was never solved. Gunshots echo from the haunted inn during the night. A cigar-smoking specter holding a rifle is sometimes seen on the roof. This ghostly guardian is believed to be the murdered sentry or perhaps Samuel Hamilton keeping watch over his former home. Confederate soldier wanders the halls, sometimes knocking on doors, allegedly due to the structure being built on his grave. In 1861, a local Irishman who perished in the Battle of Manassas, known in the north as Bull Run, was buried on land adjacent to the Catholic Cathedral. And when the home was built, no one bothered to move the burial. The grave was disturbed when the basement was dug, and the remains unceremoniously moved to Laurel Grove Cemetery. I was on my rounds, putting out flyers for the ghost tour, and the innkeeper asked if I had any plans for Valentine's night. We had dinner plans at Vicks on the River. The innkeeper set a bottle of champagne in front of the fireplace, in the Mary Telfair room, and I surprised my date with a special night at the Hamilton Turner house. It was a chilly February evening and I lit the fire. We drank our champagne and took advantage of the romantic setting and had a pleasant evening in the antique bed. It was a work day, so we left early the next morning and quietly strode down the staircase and let ourselves out without waking the inn. This is a no-nonsense business who doesn't believe in the paranormal, but she asked if the inn was haunted. I told her, yes, it was quite famously haunted. Well, I had an experience, but didn't want to mention it until we were out of there. Three times you got out of bed, once to get a bottle of water off the table in front of the settee. When you left the bed, it felt like someone sat next to me. At that moment, you got back in beside me and the present seemed to float away. I didn't say anything, but if you remember, you commented how cold I was and that I was shivering. You jumped out of bed to close the windows, and I felt a distinct pressure on the bed as someone lay down next to me. Again, as soon as you got back in bed, it was as if it just floated away. We fell asleep, and I awoke as you entered the bathroom. I felt the covers tucked close under my chin and someone kissed me on the forehead. On many occasions, children are heard playing on the stairs and in the hallway. Those trying to enjoy a good night's rest are approached by phantom footsteps. There is no pool table in the inn. Yet billiard balls are quite often heard rolling at night down the stairs to the third floor landing. In 1915, Dr. Francis Turner, who owned Savannah's first electric car, purchased the house from the Hamilton estate and lived there with his family. The Turners would throw extravagant dinners and sensational parties within the 17-room home. Unfortunately, those elaborate engagements came to a sudden tragic end due to the accidental death of their daughter. The children would sit at the top of the stairs and listen intently to the dinner parties and hope to get a glimpse of the guests. One evening, during an elaborate party with over three dozen guests, Dr. Turner's daughter fell headfirst to her death from the fourth floor landing. Because of the terrible tragedy, the family moved out in 1926, but returned in 1940, and he resumed his practice out of the basement. The sound of a little girl's laughter is heard throughout the inn, and when people remark to the innkeeper about having heard kids playing in the hallway, they are reminded that children are not allowed in the inn. The prize-winning author, Flannery O'Connor was born the day the Turner child died just next door at 207 East Charlton Street. While living here, O'Connor regularly attended mass at the nearby cathedral. It was close enough that she could see the spires from her house and hear the tolling of the bells. When I was six, I had a chicken that walked backward and I was in the Pathé News with the chicken. I was just there to assist a chicken, but it was the high point in my life. Everything since has been an anti-climax. Her mother, Regina, was concerned about mosquitoes and occasionally put her daughter in a kitty's coop, a protective screened-in crib or box for infants and toddlers. As an adult, she remembered herself as a pigeon-toed child with a receding chin, and a you-leave-me-alone-or-I'll-bite-you complex." O'Connor made frequent use of violence and shock tactics in her writing. She argued that she wrote for an audience who, for all its Sunday piety, did not share her belief in the fall of humanity and its need for redemption. To the heart of hearing, she explained, Christian writers shout, and for the almost blind, they draw large and startling figures. Dr. Turner sold the house in 1965, and over the next 30 years, the house knew its share of scandal. John Barrett's book, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, made note of raucous parties thrown by Nancy Hillis, better known in the book as Mandy. Barrett describes her as an accomplished singer who ran a nightclub called Sweet Georgia Browns. It is no secret that Midnight put a national spotlight on her talent, but she had already gained local attention in 1991 when she bought the inn. Her husband purchased the home. Although Nancy divorced him a short time later, she continued to live in the basement until she sold it in 1997. Her garish house museum found disfavor with the residents, and the Historical Society tried to shut her down numerous times. The innkeeper called one morning and asked if I was free that afternoon. A couple from Dallas wanted a private tour. They were staying in the Noble Jones room, which overlooks the fountain in the square. She was especially keen on Southern architecture, while he was very interested in the Civil War. We were talking about how Captain Hamilton had been reassigned to Savannah from Charleston, and that after his arrival, he quit his commission with the U.S. Navy and joined the Confederate forces defending Fort Pulaski at the mouth of the river. That is when she very nonchalantly mentioned, oh yes, we met him last night in our room. I looked at her husband, and he recounted what happened the night before. They had just come back to their room from walking the historic district, and it was the end of the day, but not quite dark. There was a smell of cigar smoke when they opened the door to their room. And they both could distinctly see the back of a gentleman in gray, standing in front of the 11-foot-tall windows, looking out into Lafayette Square. He had a sword at his belt and his hat on his arm. The encounter couldn't have been more than a few moments, but they said it was as if time slowed and everything got very quiet. Neither of them felt any unease or distress, however. As a matter of fact, he seemed quite pleasant. There was nothing below his knees, except the top of his black riding boots. He turned and they watched him slide quickly toward the fireplace and place something on the mantelpiece. Then he noticed the pair at the door. He came at the couple in an instant, as if there were no space between them, even though the room is over 20 feet wide. He got very close, and with a blast of frigid air, disappeared into the hallway. They looked after him, but there was no one. He had vanished. Where the Living Meet the Dead was written and hosted by Robert Edgley and produced by Mark Francis. To buy Robert's book or get more information on his hauntings tour of Savannah, please go to savannahghostlytours.com. That's savannahghostlytours.com.